If you want Colts talk all year long, you're in the right place. Taylor hit, but he bounces into the end zone. Touchdown, I-N-D-Y. How can we, like you mentioned, as pillars, as guys who are leaders on this team, how can we turn that around? Play action. Now he's in trouble, and he's going to be brought down. A sack for the Colts. DeForest Buckner back to the 27-yard line. Never quit. I never not fall. I never not compete. And I will always continue to be a great, great leader, a great competitor. Now he checks it down left side, looking for the end zone for Alec Pierce. And he's got it. Touchdown, Alec Pierce. This is the official Colts podcast, giving you an updated look at what's new with the horseshoes. In the Indiana Union Construction Industry Radio Studio, let's get the podcast started. What's up, everyone? Welcome into another episode of the official Colts podcast presented by WinBet. I'm JJ Stankovich, joined by Casey Vallier and Bill Brooks this week. Lara Overton and Matt Taylor are out. I am also out. I'm in beautiful Phoenix, Arizona for the NFL owners meetings here. We had a chance to hear from Shane Steichen, Chris Ballard, and Jim Ursay all on Monday down here in Arizona. So lots to get into, um, you know, and plenty of news around the NFL as well. I mean, it has been a busy week down here in Arizona, Casey and Bill. First things first, as we just sort of look at the the news that's come out of the owners meetings i almost feel like i've missed a lot of it guys because (laughs) i've just i've well i've just been like you know you you get we you know we we got shane steichen on monday morning and then you know transcribing that and then you're writing off of that and then we got him one-on-one which we're going to play later in this podcast my little sit down with him and then you're transcribing that and then we talk to chris ballard and you're transcribing that and you're writing off that and then we go you know, talk to Mr. Ursay and you're transcribing that and you're writing off that. And all of a sudden it's 10 PM. And I feel like I haven't, I don't, I don't know what's actually going on. So you guys fill me in. Uh, Lamar Jackson announced via his personal Twitter account that he yes. requested a trade on March 2nd. What's going on there? <laughs> That's I'm really glad you brought that up because I've been dialed into NFL, you know, NFL network and the tweet was so well-timed that I'm sure it threw John Harbaugh for a loop because it was right as he was sitting down to talk yes. to the reporters. <laughs> so I'm sure it was, I mean, very well-timed by Lamar's camp, very, I mean, unprompted by anybody that was with Baltimore. So they kind of feel like you did because watching the reaction of John Harbaugh talking about Lamar, it was like, Oh, so this is news now. Okay. So I, I kind of like getting a little bit of that feel behind the curtain that you're giving us because that's kind of how everybody felt like the news was dropped. And the Lamar thing is all anybody is talking about definitely for the last two days. Yeah, it seemed like he, Harbaugh got a curveball. He's up there looking for the fastball, and he got the curveball, and he was caught off guard there. So I feel for Harbaugh there. But, you know, it's an interesting uh, take that uh, Lamar had that, you know, he asked for a trade and – uh, this was back on March 2nd, and now he's going through the process, and they're going through the process. And it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. It's very interesting, a, a quarterback like Lamar Jackson with his talent uh, going through the situation he's going through right now. So it's going to be interesting to see what Baltimore does and what Lamar does. Well, I could say Lamar's camp, but Lamar is his own camp right, right now, so uh, being his own agent. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens. So we had a chance to sit down with Chris Ballard and discuss – Lamar Jackson. Um, and, and here's what Chris Ballard said about Lamar Jackson, quote, 
Anytime a special player is available, which he is, you've got to do the work. And that's where I'm not going to get into deep discussions on where it's at or what we're doing or what we might do. But I'll tell you, he's a really good player, a really special player, but you never know how any of this will work out. And then he talked as well about if it would be doable for the Colts to pursue Lamar Jackson. And he said, quote, anytime that position when you got a chance to acquire a guy, you got to do your work on it to see if it's doable. Sometimes it is, sometimes it's not. Later in the night, Jim Irsay talked about, he, he was asked about Lamar Jackson, and he, he seemed to indicate to me that his preference is to go the young quarterback route, the rookie quarterback route, but he did not rule anything out. So I think right now, where things stand with the Colts and Lamar Jackson, is that nothing has been ruled out. Right. And you can read into that what you will. I wouldn't read a ton into it other than the Colts are doing what, frankly, every team in the NFL that doesn't have a solution at quarterback exactly. should be doing. And that's exploring Lamar Jackson, an MVP who's 26 years old, who could right. potentially be available because the Ravens put the non-exclusive franchise tag on him. I'm so glad you bring that up. So my father-in-law was actually asking about this last night. He said, so what, are the Colts looking into this? And I said, honestly, there's probably like four or five teams that are saying, no, we're good. But everybody else, they're at least looking. They're, because finding that quarterback is so important. It might be the most important position in all of sports, having that quarterback. And when you can get a guy who is a proven commodity, a former MVP and is just at 26 years old, you know, you look at that and you go, well, I mean, he can play at a high level for at least another eight to ten years, realistically. And, I mean, you look at some of the other guys that are out there. I mean, look at Aaron Rodgers. This guy, you know, was a two-time MVP late into his 30s. So this stuff, it, you know, that is still very, very young for that quarterback position. Honestly, if you look at some of the quarterback, one of the quarterbacks that's coming out in this year's draft, Hendon Hooker is going to be 25. So, I mean, you've got Lamar Jackson who already has this much experience playing in the league. You have to explore the options. Now, like like you've been saying, J.J., that doesn't mean that definite for Colts fans, hey, they're going to get this guy because there's a lot of other teams that are doing their due diligence. And you also have to look at it as, is this something that we can take on, we can afford to do right now? And you got to look at where you are. And, and that's one of the questions that I'm sure a lot of these answers are going to really have to start speeding up on finding the solution for what that answer is. And, and, and I agree with that. You have to look, you have to take, do your due diligence in this because if you don't, you'll be negligent. You'll be negligent to the fan base and you'll be negligent to the other players on the football team. You have to take a look. It's not saying that we are going to do it or we're not going to do it. But as a general manager, you have to look at, okay, is this guy going to be able to help us? And what do we have to give up? Now, if it's through the non-exclusive uh, tag, it'll be two first-round draft picks. We know that. But if for some odd reason it's a trade, uh, whatever that means, and now whatever. <laughs> yeah. But if it's a trade, then you still have to look at what are you giving up? Are you having to give up too much to set you guys actually back, your franchise back? But you have to look at a guy like Lamar Jackson, someone that is a franchise type of quarterback that can change the trajectory of your organization if you have him on your team. So something that they have to look at, not saying it's going to happen, but I think Chris Bowles is doing what he's supposed to do. Look into it and see if that's a viable option for the Indianapolis Colts. I just, guys, I can't believe that there are teams out there that are just saying, yeah, we're not doing that. Teams that right. don't yeah. have a franchise quarterback that are just saying, eh, like, 
even even if you're if you're just you're just like, we're not going to give him what he wants, you know, which seems to be a fully guaranteed contract or a contract with the most guarantees in NFL history, whatever it may be. Even if you're you're saying, yeah, we're not going to do that. At least explore it. At least right. talk about it. That's what I think. If the Colts, if Lamar Jackson is not playing for the Colts next year, which is still a extremely likely possibility. Let's just be clear about that. Right. But at least folks listening to this podcast who are Colts fans can sleep <laughs> at night knowing that their team actually looked into it and actually evaluated Lamar Jackson and actually decided, you know, potentially, all right, maybe this isn't for us. But at least they didn't just blanketly say, yeah, we're good. I mean, that to me is is like you guys are saying, that's negligent to me. And the Colts going through this process and – and saying, you know, yeah, like we're not just flatly denying it. I think is that's good. You want your team to do that. It's the same thing to me with the Bears, where they they went through their, their due diligence on the quarterbacks in this year's draft class. And yeah, okay, Justin Fields is still our quarterback, right? But you have to do your due diligence because quarterback is the most important position in the sport. And if you are just saying, yeah, we're good, we don't need to do that, you you are potentially neglecting a solution. And I, I just I think the, the the tone that Chris Ballard struck with his comments uh, really, really was encouraging. Again, this isn't to say that anything is going to happen or is not going to happen. But to me, it was just encouraging to hear that. Oh, 100 percent. I am glad you brought up a team like the Bears, because frankly, if I'm being honest, that would be a team that if I'm a Bears fan, I would be all right with them exploring this option. Exactly. Because there are so few guys that you can – I mean, you've got Patrick Mahomes, you got Josh Allen. There's a handful of guys out there that you're like, all right, you can go ahead and write it in. He is your franchise guy. But most of those guys are writing them in pencil right now. And if Lamar Jackson is a guy that you would probably write in pen. So I think there's a lot of teams out there that their fan bases, when they saw all of this stuff start to you know unravel on Twitter – that is why. I mean, th- that just shows you the imp- I mean, the impact this guy can have on a game. He can have a tremendous impact not on just in the game, but on your organization, as like I said before. I mean, he can change the trajectory of your organization. You get a guy like this, the things that he can do on the football field, the things that he can do to stress a defense as far as throwing the ball and running the ball, you have a, another running back in the backfield with Lamar right. Jackson plus your own running back. So the things that he can do to, to put uh, stress on the defense – they help your offense, and I, I just think if Shane Steichen had him, the things that he can do in the offense and the things he can tailor the offense around, of course, for Lamar Jackson, I think that would be pr- pretty dynamic to have Lamar Jackson in a Shane Steichen offense. So let, let's talk about the other things that we learned this week about the Colts, and I, I don't think we learned anything new about their process in evaluating the quarterbacks in this year's draft. Shane Steichen just reemphasized a couple of things that he looks for. Specifically, he looks for guys that are obsessed with the process. And yeah. I think it's interesting, guys, because not every quarterback has that. I think even, even sometimes you get guys who are drafted in the top five who are super talented but maybe don't love the, the process of being a quarterback. So that's something that the Colts are certainly looking for. And, you know, Chris Ballard hit the tone of, look, if we like a guy at four – we'll take him. Maybe we like that guy enough that we need to trade up to three, or maybe we think we can get him a little bit later and we'll trade down. 
Um, so nothing really new on that front, but I did think this was interesting that Chris Ballard talked about why he didn't trade up to number one overall with the Bears. And he said, quote, I didn't want to make a blind decision without all the information. So to me, that that tells you that when the, the Bears wanted to pull the trigger on that trade, which was before free agency, the Bears absolutely wanted to go into free agency with more draft picks. They got DJ Moore out of it so that, you know, that helped. They didn't maybe need to send one of those draft picks to another team for a wide receiver. Um, but at that point in early March, the Colts hadn't had enough information on these guys. And Carolina might believe that one of these quarterbacks is the guy. And maybe they feel like they've done enough research and they've, they've gone through it to the point where they did feel comfortable. But to me, you, you look at a lot of teams that have traded up in the past and it hasn't worked out. Completely agree. And I wonder if part of that is because when you, you go make that aggressive move at, you know, at, at this point in the offseason where you haven't had pro days yet, you haven't had top 30 visits yet with these guys, you've maybe sat down with them at the combine for 15 minutes or talked to them for a little bit, you know, at the senior bowl if they're there, uh, that you do have these kind of blind evaluations and those are very risky for a team. So I thought, I thought that was a really interesting bit of context that Chris Ballard gave to kind of how the Colts have operated this offseason in thinking about this NFL draft. I like that philosophy because it goes to basically a draft when, you know, you're not just going to draft a player just because you want to draft that player and you think he's the player that everyone wants you to draft. You have to have a philosophy saying, hey, look, I want to know all I can about these individuals coming out. That's your philosophy. You want to get all the information. And I like Chris Bow saying he just did not have all the information that he wanted. He didn't feel comfortable moving up at that moment. Now, if maybe sometime later he had more information, he after he had met with some of these uh, young guys and got some more information, maybe it would have been an opportunity for him to move up. Maybe he would have thought that would have been an opportunity for him to move up because he had more information. So I, I like that because, as Chris said, from what I'm not mistaken, is you have to be pretty sure, you have to be quite sure that's the guy or that's the guy you want to get or the guy that you think you want to get. So I, I, I appreciate that about Chris, knowing that, hey, he has to get the right information and all the information before he makes such an important pick because this pick is going to be very important for the Indianapolis Colts coming up this year. So you have to make sure that if you're going to trade those other picks away and that that's the, there's a guy that you want and you want to be the first guy, the, the first team picking in this year's draft, you have to be sure that's the guy you want. In order to be sure, you have to have all the information. And, and one of those things, you talk about philosophy, J.J., and that is something that we have seen. Chris Ballard, he sticks to what he knows, what he does best, and the thing that he does best is he is patient. And this is it, – it, it's a quality that you don't see very often, especially in the NFL, because it is, what have you done for me lately? But that is one thing that he has shown throughout his tenure is he is a patient guy. He is not going to make any rash decisions because – and I think ultimately Carolina was probably put in a decision where they had to react quickly. You're sitting at nine, nine. and you know that there's, there's other teams that want to move up, so you might have to take that extra risk because you've got to go up further. And, I mean, we, we've all talked about the, the ownership in Carolina. They're, they're ready to pay whatever it is to go get their guy. Hey, Frank, you know, you're the new guy in charge. Go get your man. Whatever it, take, whatever it costs, we'll go for it. 
And I think there is something to be said when you mention the teams in the past that have traded up. It doesn't always work. So that's the one thing that I always kept going back to when everybody, you know, all the fans, all the local people in Indianapolis are like, why aren't they trading up? And it's like, if you look at the history, it doesn't always work when you trade up. And I think that Chris is on to something when he stood there at the NFL Combine and talked to people and said, I think at number four, we're going to get the best player in the draft. Uh Uh-huh. I really think that he truly feels that way. This staff, they they do an incredible job with the scouting department here. They do work. I mean, you look at the way that this team is drafted, it's pretty impressive. You talk to everybody around the league, and they talk about Chris Ballard being one of the best talent evaluators. He's looking at number four, and I think ultimately he is saying, we don't necessarily have to go this route. He doesn't want to tip his hand because they might know a little bit more than some other people about who the best player in this draft is at number four. Because they do their homework. Right. They do their homework, and they do a lot of research. And that's why I said I like the way he approaches it. He wants to make sure he gets all the information he can to make an informed decision. And once he has all that information, he can make an informed decision and move forward from there. So a couple other bits of news from Monday. Chris Ballard said he expects Ryan Kelly and Kenny Moore II to be on the Colts in 2023. He said he did field some calls for both players, but ultimately the Colts are deciding to hang on to both of them. So that keeps some continuity on the offensive line at center. By the way, I think having a veteran center, if you are going to bring in a rookie quarterback, is so important. That is so critical. Having a guy who can help you get the protections right, who has seen every single front that you know you're going to face and can help you get that those things right when everything's moving at a billion miles an hour for rookie quarterback. So keeping Ryan Kelly makes a lot of sense, and then keeping Kenny Moore the second with trading Stephon Gilmore does keep a veteran cornerback in that room. Chris Ballard talked about Stephon Gilmore as well, saying that it, it was difficult to trade him, but clearing some salary cap space was an important part of it. Uh, they felt like they got fair compensation in return, a fifth-round pick for, you know, again, you got to remember Stephon Gilmore's 32. He's got one right. year left in his contract. Um, you're, you're not getting a day-two pick for Stephon Gilmore at this point in his career. Um, and part of it, too, you know, Chris Ballard said we found a good situation for Stephon Gilmore, sending him to Dallas. Exactly. But the Colts are also confident in a couple of young cornerbacks Chris Ballard mentioned and Isaiah Rogers Sr. and Dallas Flowers. So th- those that kind of wraps up the news uh, that we got out of yesterday. Anything that stood out about those those little morsels that we got from Chris Ballard? Do you guys? Uh, I mean, I've always been very high on Isaiah Rogers, and I thought we all liked what we saw out of Dallas Flowers, especially late. I mean, we saw what he did from a kick return standpoint, but I think what he showed defensively late, you saw, you know what? There is something there. And the the, the biggest the biggest way to, you know, I don't ramp up a guy into you have to get him out there I mean it's one of those things where the best way for a guy to grow is to actually get that on task stuff he's got to be out there in the trenches doing the work so I think that is the biggest thing for me is I love putting the faith in some of those younger guys because Isaiah Rogers yes. he's been a guy every year you go into training camp and we're like Isaiah Rogers is the year well he's just kind of a little bit further on the depth chart where he really can't game in game out go out and prove what he can do and I think him and Dallas Flowers have 
huge ceilings. I mean, their athletic ability, their speed, you just can't teach it. So I think just the more and more repetition that they have, I really like those two young guys in this corner room. We all know what Kenny Moore can do. Yeah, I think last year, statistically, he'll probably tell you he had a down year. Kenny Moore's a guy who has been in adverse situations, and he's always responded. So I'm really good with Kenny Moore coming back. I love hearing that. And I also really like Ryan Kelly. I mean, I, I think he is one of those guys that he is a staple. He's a guy that kind of keeps everybody in line on that on that offensive line him and Quinton and Braden I mean you have that core group there you got a new you got you got, you got a new voice in there so I think there's a lot of things that are playing into those two guys he mentioned being back I think it's a good thing for this Colts team yeah I think it's a good thing uh, when you have both those guys back both veterans that have been around for a while to understand the organization that can help young guys out when they come in here and the things they need to do. And as you mentioned, J.J., if the Colts do get a young quarterback back there, you have Ryan Kelly out there and, and, and under center that can help the young quarterback get acclimated to the NFL, uh, get the line in the right uh, protections when you need to get in the right protections, slide to the line the right way, make the uh, checks for the, for the line out there uh, during the game. So I think that is big for a young quarterback to have a veteran out there. So having Ryan Kelly out there will be beneficial for the offensive line and for the offense. And then, of course, talk about Kenny Moore. Kenny Moore, as uh, Casey said, probably statistically didn't have the year that he wanted to have. But you know what? He's still a veteran out there that can go out there and play. And then I think having Isaiah Rodgers, I think – each year we've seen what he can do and the things that he can do out there on the football field to help the secondary, to help the defense. And I think the more reps he gets, the better he's going to be. And I think he's someone that can step in and step up there and, and do a good job. And, yes, they're going to miss Stephon Gilmore. He had a good year last year for the Colts, no doubt about that. A guy that's a pro, a guy that's been been out there before and made some big plays for the Colts, won some games for the Colts last year. So yeah. uh, they're going to miss Stephon Gilmore. But I think they have guys – right now uh, on this team that can go in there and do a job and do a job efficiently. All right. So as we're potting right now, I'm seeing some news come out about rule changes. The It looks like there's only one rule that will be changed. But before we, okay. we tell you what that is, here are the three. The, there are four uh, notable rules that uh, NFL owners were going to vote on this week. So one of them was the third quarterback rule. Teams would be allowed to carry 47 active players on game day, but that extra player, instead of 46, you could carry 47, would have to be a quarterback. So that was one. That, I love this one. The fourth and 15 alternative to the onside kick, where teams would have the option to convert a fourth and 15 from their own 25-yard line instead of kicking an onside kick. Uh, the the XFL uses this rule, and actually a yep. team converted on it. Uh, I think that was the St. Louis BattleHawks, if I if I recall correctly. <laughs> you, are yep, correct. correct. Uh, <laughs> you are correct. <laughs> uh, roughing the passer, uh, the the Rams proposed a rule that roughing the passer could be reviewed, and then zero allowed on jerseys. Uh, that teams could start issuing a number zero jersey to players. So now that we've been through all those, let me just tell you, the only one of those that was voted on and passed, players can now wear number zero. But, wow. but guys, wow. guys, beyond that, this is, this is wild uh, because you see this at the college level. Uh, there is, hold on, let me find where I just saw this. Punters and kickers can now wear 0 to 49 and 90 to 99. Like you see in college football, there's always like that, <laughs> yeah, that like one kicker who wears like 93 <laughs> yeah, and yep. shanks a 22-yard field yep. goal. Now you too oh. can see that in the NFL. You know, um, I, 
I may be way wrong on this, but I feel like Kansas State's kickers always wear 90s. And I may—I don't know why Kansas State runs to why me. Why on maybe, earth do you watch that much I, Kansas State football? I, that's the thing. I know. I How don't. Kansas State come in your This mind? goes back to when I used to play, like when, when they used to have college football video games, and you would like, you know, you're a new coach, and you look at the available job openings, and Kansas State was typically one of those on one <laughs> yeah. of those games. Ron and Prince it was like, got fired again. Yeah, right, yeah. Exactly. So for some reason, I always felt like the kicker on those games was like 97. So I, I don't know why that is coming to me, but that... <laughs> I cannot There's think of honestly a, right there. I cannot think of honestly a worse number for a kicker than like forty two. <laughs> Give them a single digit like yeah. they've had, you know, zero right. through nine or something like that. That's fine. But wow. having you know there's eight and ninety nine, that is uh, just you know there's awful. there's gonna be like some swaggy punter to come out. Oh for sure. And who's gonna wear like number ninety nine and it's gonna be awesome though. You, you, there, that that guy would have been Pat McAfee here. If oh. this was the new oh, I without mean, a doubt. Pat McAfee. If he would have totally went with it. I mean, he wore number one, and there was a right. reason, you know. So <laughs> I can see Pat McAfee wearing zero. I can right, see him wearing 91, exactly. 99, just, just to be Pat McAfee. But, right. it, but it would be interesting for him to have that. But, you know, what? of all these rules, that's the rule I thought would, would be last. Me too. As, uh, Completely agree. I, yeah. didn't think, I thought the rule that that would change would be the, the third quarterback rule. I really yeah. thought that one would be the one. Mm-hmm. That changes because so that one got that one got. Uh, I'm seeing some reporting that one got tabled, Bill. It didn't get voted on this year. Oh, okay. Um, the other the other one that I believe got tabled was adding tenths of a second to the uh, game clock within 30 seconds. I think the Eagles proposed that, and it it I huh. think I saw that that one got tabled, um, which wow. means it could still get voted on in the future, but. Um, that you so here's here are the positions that could wear zero quarterbacks punters kickers defensive backs running backs tight ends wide receivers and linebackers so if you're an offensive lineman or a defensive lineman you can't wear number zero um which like uh i wish they did that for d lineman though agreed give give me that's who i want give me a menacing defensive end wearing number zero coming off the edge that would be so cool it's like the guy from baylor a handful of years ago um sean oakman sean oakman you know he had that didn't he wear zero am i he did he did yeah that i mean that that, he was he was terrifying to look at so oh my goodness that's unbelievable unbelievable but like i said i thought that quarterback rule would, would pass and the reason i say that is because if you go back to the nfc championship game with philadelphia and san francisco after purdy got hurt and then i think johnson came in yeah johnson got like uh, i think it was concussed yeah and they had and to bring purdy back bring purdy back yeah. and purdy could not throw the ball i mean he threw one pass i think after that to uh, mccaffrey and I think it was a screen and but from the rest of the game he had to hand the ball off they did a lot of jet sweeps with Dan, uh uh Debo Samuel and, and stuff like that, but he could not throw the ball. So I thought maybe, you know, having a third quarterback ready to go, I'm sure Kyle Shanahan would love to have a third quarterback back then to be able to at least throw the ball, do something more uh, than yeah. just run the ball. I honestly thought right. the roughing the passer might might get get in there too because that has been a pretty hot topic. Yes. Especially yeah, that – that, that, but it's it's such a it's such a gray area, you know. That's a tough one yeah. because you know they're protecting and, and, the quarterback so much, so it's it's hard to make that a challengeable play. I think. And I also heard that uh, and for the quarterbacks that the, the the rules, I mean the penalties that they called last year that were questionable. I think it was only like two or three that were questionable that they could say uh, I right. wasn't sure that it was you know it need to be challenged or whatever. Or it could have been challenged and changed, but for the most part, they said that the referees could have 
call those plays. So that's why I think I right. read and heard and saw somewhere. All right. Well, before we uh, finish up talking about the owners meetings, uh, we're going to go play the interview I did with Shane Steichen. It's about five and a half minutes, real quick conversation I had with him, but some really interesting stuff that we talked about over the course of that conversation. So here's my sit down interview with Shane Steichen. Hey everyone, I'm JJ Stankovitz here at the NFL annual meeting in Phoenix with Colts head coach Shane Steichen. Shane, you just took your first full NFL coaching photo. How'd that feel to be part of that group? It was good just to see the faces and the tradition, you know, these league meetings and be a part of it is special. For you coming here and, and being the Colts head coach, something I wanted to ask you about is in the building on 56th Street, every interaction you have, that's the biggest part of that person's day you're having that interaction with. How have you handled the the emotional load of, of being the head coach and, and being that guy in the building. Yeah, you know, it's been really exciting just to meet the people that are in that building, uh, just a tremendous organization to be a part of it, all the people that have worked in there, that have been there, uh, just tremendous people. For, for you, knowing that, you know, hey, if, if I have a conversation with a staffer or, you know, me in the hallway saying hi to you, you know, that's the biggest part of my day. It's the biggest part of, you know, their day. Um, just handling that, that load, because that, that is a lot to handle, right? Yeah, I think, you know, just creating those relationships and creating those connections with everyone in that building is big, because I think when you're connected, you're committed. And uh, you got to do a good job of being intentional about your connections with the people in the building, and so far it's been great. Keeping Gus Bradley on staff, um, I know you had history with him in, in the, with the Chargers. What about the way that he plays defense and the way that he schemes defense led you to want to keep him on staff? Yeah, the four years I spent with Gus in L.A., just tremendous respect for him as a person, as a leader, as a teacher, uh, just seeing it, uh, you know, those four years, just the way he coaches uh, his guys and how hard they play for him. Uh, again, just a ton of ton of respect for him as a person uh, and, and really gets those guys to believe in and play hard for him. I know sometimes offensive coaches will come in and they'll hire the, the defensive coach who gave them the most problems the year prior. Gus held you guys with the Eagles to 17 points, the lowest output of the season. What about that game and the way that Gus called that game kind of gave you as then the Eagles offensive coordinator some issues? Yeah, you know what? He did a great job, you know, just the way he played the front, uh, the what he did on the back end uh, from the secondary and the linebacker standpoint. Uh, they play hard. They play physical. They are fast uh, and, and just very fortunate to keep him on staff. What about having him as a former head coach on yeah, staff? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's no question. When you got a former head coach on your staff uh, for a sounding board, you know, bounce ideas off him, you know, when things come up, uh, he's been there, done that. Uh, so it's awesome to have him for that. The, the process of putting the coaching staff together, getting that settled now, going through the install process, what excites you about this group now that you've really started to, started to talk ball with them and talk specific? Yeah, it's been great. Uh, you know, a lot of the defensive staff is intact, uh, but a lot of the offensive staff is new. But just going through the installs with them uh, on a weekly basis in the mornings, uh, going through the football part of it, just seeing the new you know minds that we got on offense. Uh, very excited about what we got going there, and, and really looking forward to getting the players in and working with them. How intentional were you about not just only hiring people you had worked with? Previously, you know, you didn't work with Tony Sperano Jr., yeah. you know, for example, just to bring in some of the, those different voices and perspectives. Yeah, my, my deal there when hiring a staff is I want to hire the best coaches and the best fit. And not necessarily do I need to, you know, have a great relationship with them, but guys that I feel that are going to fit the staff and, and bring to the table what we need at the at specific positions, you know, uh, from offensive line, tight ends, running backs, receivers, quarterbacks um, that are going to bring, you know, good ideas uh, and really coach their guys and hold them accountable. Something you talked about earlier this morning was just the, the energy that this coaching staff brings of, you know, tr intentionally trying to hire some younger coaches, yeah. give them their shot. 
what about the energy in the building will benefit the players when they get in? On yeah, I think you got to bring great energy into that building. You know, the players will feed off the coach's energy. That's where it starts. And uh, we got to bring that energy into the meeting rooms, you know, uh, on the practice field, in the weight room, training room, all throughout that building, just having great energy and just feeding the positive energy and weeding out all the negative stuff. What have you learned about Reggie Wayne in this process? You know, Reggie's been great. You know, a former Colt, you know, played for 14 years, um, started coaching last year, but really loves uh, the part of coaching, the development of players. I know he's got entrant, you know, respect from those guys uh, doing what he did at a high level. So really fortunate to keep Reggie on staff. As you've kind of gone through this process of, you know, getting the install in, getting the language installed, have you learned anything just about yourself in this process, about your, your leadership style, your coaching style now that you're, you're in that chair? Yeah, I think the biggest thing for me is just be who I am. You know, don't try to change who I am, be who I am, be true to myself and go from there. What did you learn too about in 2021, the last time you went through this, with a, a new team as the Eagles offensive coordinator, of going through the process of installing an offense, getting to know your players, yeah. but then in the season kind of having to pivot a little bit and just being flexible. Yeah, I think, you know, it doesn't happen overnight. You know, you got to develop, you know, your players and really get to know them and, and go through that process, you know, in the OTAs and into training camp. And then, you know, you get into the season and you, you really find out who you are uh, through that process. And really putting your guys in position to make plays is the biggest things we got to do as coaches. April 10th, when players do get in yeah. the building, you, you get a smile on your face. What, what are you looking forward to about getting to know the guys on this team? That's the biggest thing, just getting to know the guys, creating those relationships with those guys. I think that's the biggest thing is really when you, you know, like I said earlier, when you're connected, you're committed, but really being intentional about the, you know, relationship part, you know, getting to know these guys, uh, being intentional about it. Uh, and then, you know, I think when, you know, they get to know you, you get to know them. I think it's human nature that you're going to go just a little bit more uh, for someone that you really trust and believe in. All right, Shane Steichen, Colts head coach here at the Biltmore in Phoenix, Arizona. Awesome. Thanks, guys. All right, thanks again for Shane Steichen for sitting down with me down here in Arizona. So we're still in the roster building portion of the offseason. The focus is on the draft right now, but the Colts last year around this time, you know, I think first, second week of April, added Rodney McLeod Jr. and Stephon Gilmore in free agency. So... Chris Ballard has always had the philosophy that you can build your roster really through, it's about like October, when yeah. you can, you really start, you know, get your roster together. There's always going to be opportunities to make it better. The Colts, you know, they made a minor move this week. They re-signed Khalid Kareem, a defensive end they picked up off the Bengals practice squad last year. Matt Pryor signed with the San Francisco 49ers, so there's a internal free agent leaving. Um... What holes do you think the Colts still need to fill on this roster over the next, we'll call it the next month, between now and then the end of the NFL draft? And where where else could this roster be built up even after the NFL draft? Yeah, that's a good question because I don't know necessarily if you're going to see a lot of activity from now until the draft because I think kind of where you are is you're just kind of positioning yourself to see what you're going to do in the draft and then you kind of address those other holes that you might need I mean clearly there is a hole at corner I mean you think about the guys that you've lost you need to add some depth there at corner that's definitely a spot that I'm I'm envisioning some depth being added you're probably going to add some depth at linebacker but that is probably an area in the draft that you're going to address so ultimately I am seeing maybe until the draft, you might see a couple additions offensive line, um, also wide receiver, 
Um, but I think really it's you might not see anything big just because you want to see where you are when the draft rolls around, who those guys you kind of get as your top priority, undrafted free agents, and then you go and look at the rest of it. Because, you know, realistically, there's a lot of guys that they're kind of waiting to see where they want to go to after the draft for certain teams. You know, some guys might say, hey, I want to see where that position looks like for you following the draft to see whether or not I feel like that's a good spot for me. So I think it's kind of that that back and forth game that you're having. You probably have very open dialogue with a handful of these free agents, but it is one of those things where it's, hey, we'll give you a call, you know, in May just to kind of see where we end up with the draft rolls around. Yeah, just kind of piggyback off of what Casey is saying. I, I think one of the areas that the Colts will look, and and I agree with Casey, I don't think there will be a lot of movement between now and the draft. There will be some, but I think uh, one of the areas where they might look at it, I think, is maybe the offensive line, definitely to add some depth there because, you know, you talk, you hear Chris Bell always talk about, I'd love to have depth, to have uh, just in case something happens to one of those guys out there on the offensive line, you have someone to, to plug in there, and especially right. you want someone that you have confidence in uh, with a young quarterback back there, if you have a young quarterback uh, back there calling plays. But off the lines, one, we talked about cornerback, you know, having Stephon Gilmore gone. We do like Isaiah Rodgers and Dallas Flowers and Kenny Moore and all the guys, but to add some depth back there, you need some cornerbacks uh, to play because this is a throwing league right now. You're going to have right. four and five and four, maybe five wide receivers out in the, in the route or uh, in the pass play. So you want some corners that can be able to cover. And uh, as you said, wide receiver. I think get some depth at wide receiver as well. You know, we have Pittman and, and Pierce, and then you have, have Doolin there. So I think, uh, you know, have some depth at wide receiver. It's another position I think that the Colts can look at. And as Casey said, as uh, someone that's been through free agency a little bit, uh, way, 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 way back. Um, <laughs> it wasn't when, that long, Bill. Come when, on. When you look at – I've talked to a lot of the players. Uh, they said a lot of times they wanted to wait till after the draft and see what teams still might have some – hole someplace that they will be able to sign and possibly make it on that team. So it's something that I'm sure some veteran uh, free agent players are looking at and say, hey, we'll see what they do in the draft and then we'll attack the teams that might need some help at whatever position that they play. So I think you'll see a lot more movement from a free agency standpoint probably after the draft. Yeah, and and there's something worth noting here, too, from a team-building standpoint is that free agents who sign after the draft do not count toward the comp pick formula. So if, you know, when, when the Colts signed Eric Fisher in 2021, he didn't cancel out anyone else's contract. It, the comp pick formula is, is so arcane and difficult to explain. I don't even know why I'm yes, trying. <laughs> Just know that if, if you sign a free agent after the, the NFL draft, uh, it you still could get drafted. I don't. This is stu- this is silly. I'm not even going <laughs> to bother go. explaining it to people. If you want to know more about it, Google it. It's it, it, it's a it's a terrible thing to try to explain in podcast form. I run into this problem every single freaking year because I'm like, oh, you got to remember the compic thing, and everyone's like, who cares? So never mind. You Let's just wait until the and- NFL just hands them down. That's all you do. You just wait right, and say, exactly. oh, hey, we got yeah. six compensatory <laughs> picks. <laughs> right. Let's move on to uh, play a little game of big deal or big whoop with free agency. All right, guys, here's the first one. Samson Ebicom had a career best five sacks with the 49ers last year. He also had 47 quarterback pressures, which was six more than the Colts got from Yannick and Gakwe, 
who was given 66 more pass rushing snaps than Samson Ebicom last season. Shout out to Matt Taylor for that research, by the way. Uh, that <laughs> yeah. read was very smooth for, uh, for, for Mate for putting that together. All right. Is it a big deal or a big whoop that Samson Ebicom affected the quarterback more, even though he didn't have as many sacks as Unique Ngakwe? I think it's a big deal. I think that's part of what you're looking for. You're the, the one of the one of the things we've talked about. I think you know when you looked at Yannick's season last year, you looked at the sacks and you said, okay, yeah, he had you know nine and a half sacks, but how much did he really affect, make an impact on every single game? So it's a it's I, I always one of those. It's one of those things that I know we we live in a stat type of of world now with fantasy football and all of that so you look at how many sacks a player has and that's how you judge whether or not they had a good or a bad season but I think that is so key when you're looking at quarterback hits pressures all of that because it's what happens on those plays that really determine whether or not it was a, it was impactful, and I, I, that, those are what I always love. Like you know, we're we're going through all this draft stuff right now, and I'm seeing a bunch of highlights of these guys where it's like they had a pressure that led to an interception. You may look at the stat sheet, and it may not look like anything from that defensive end because it was just a pressure. It wasn't a sack, but there was an interception that happened. Coaches know that stuff, so I think that is so important with how impactful you are, whether or not you're you're logging a sack in your total. It's, it's how impactful you can be at getting after the quarterback. So I think that is a big deal. I'm, I'm going to agree. I'm going to say a big deal. And I'm, and I'm going to say a big deal only because, and this is nothing against Yannick or anything like that, but Samson was more efficient with his snaps on the right. field and creating pressure on the quarterback and, and making sure that he gets some pressure on the quarterback and do the things to, to hopefully make the quarterback throw the ball away or maybe incomplete pass and things like that. And if things hold true as to last year and he can do that, and if he gets more snaps this year, right. you would hope that he gets more pressure on them. You hope that he gets more sacks. You hope that there's some more incomplete passes that the opponent is throwing. So you 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 take that, and I think it's a big deal, and hopefully he will get more snaps. And with those more snaps, be more efficient out there and put more pressure on the quarterback. So I'm looking at it as a big deal for, for the Colts. All right, the next one here, and Bill, this one is right up your alley. Okay. Colts free agent wide receiver Isaiah McKenzie has a combined 12 drops over the last two seasons. His drop percentage of 9.2 last season was the ninth highest among NFL wideouts, and that number was 11.2% in 2021. Is it a big deal or a big whoop that Isaiah McKenzie has had some issues with drops over the last two seasons? Now, just hear me out. I'm going to say it's a big deal. Now, if this was a running back and he fumbled that high or whatever, I think people would say it's a big deal. But if you look at it as far as what he's doing out there in the football field and dropping balls, it could be, it could be a big deal. But it's something that you can change because I think if you go out there and you keep on practicing, catching the football, catching the football, you can change that uh, skill set as far as improving your catching skills, improving your catching and, and dropping the numbers down there as far as you drop. So, I want to say anytime you're dropping a ball, because that's what you do as a wide receiver. You're supposed to catch the ball, run routes, along with other things as far as blocking, things like that. So if it's, that number is going to still continue to be high, I think it's a big deal. But I'm saying that only because I think he will get better as he comes here and maybe in the situation he's going to be put in under Shane Steichen's uh, uh, scheme. I think he will do a good job of catching the ball. Plus you also want a guy that's going to be um, – the quarterback can have confidence in catching the ball, especially if you, go, if you have a young quarterback. So I, I think it's a big deal, but I don't think it's something that we you should be overly concerned about with Isaiah McKenzie because I think he's a, a veteran receiver that can go out there and do his job and, and catch the balls and make some big plays because he's shown that he could do that 
last year uh, where he had over 40 catches last year. So I think he, he will go out there and do a good job. So I'm, I'm confident that he will, have, he will do a good job, and I'm confident that he will uh, hopefully fill that void as a slot receiver. I'd say I'd add anything to that, JJ. But I mean, Bill is our wide receiver, you know, guru. I'm, I'm a, He's I'm played a, the position, I'm, I'm so I'm going to let him. I'm going to. I'm going to go with what Bill said. That's where I'm going to go. Ditto. <laughs> I'm not a guru or an expert at that position. <laughs> All right, last one here, guys. Big deal or big whoop? As of right now, the Colts don't have a clear backup for Bernard Ryman at left tackle along the offensive line. Big deal or big whoop? And I, I want to take this one head on first. Um, this is a big whoop to me because like we were just talking about, you can still add those guys over the course of the next couple of months. The The Colts last year, I think Dennis Kelly was signed after the draft. Eric yeah. Fisher, year before that, was signed after the draft. Um, you, you know, Matt Pryor, the Colts acquired him on cut down day in 2021. You can find you can find a backup left tackle after the draft. Um, to me, it's a it's a big old big whoop on this one. I agree with you, and I also think that that is one of the spots that the backup left tackle, kind of that swing tackle. It, it's a really good thing to to look for in the draft. I mean, we have talked about how you know they haven't addressed that need at left tackle in the first couple rounds over the last handful of years. I I've heard a lot of the outside noise talking about not being 100% certain that Bernard Ryman is the guy. I can't with you know I can't say that sitting right here that 100% this is the guy, but he showed a lot of really good progression as the season went on last year. I feel pretty comfortable about him continuing to grow. So I almost look for you're finding a guy in the draft that you can learn from, you know, what you saw out of Bernard, but also take what Braden can do, and that's kind of what I like, honestly, as the backup. Yeah, you want to have experience at left tackle. I'm not all down, I'm not downplaying that at all. But I think that finding a guy in the draft, a young guy that you can groom and learn from some of these guys I think that is the way that I would address this so I'm going with you JJ and I'm saying big whoop as well yeah I'm, I agree all three of us in, in agreement with this as far as big whoop because I think you know you can find someone as Case said find someone in draft but also you know, there's possibly someone out there in free agency you can find and you want to find that guy that can probably play both left and right tackle right. someone you can bring in there that can play multiple positions and you, you kill you know two birds with one stone so I think they can find someone and they will find someone and then also you know what I think Bernard Ryman he's growing he's, he's learning I think he will be fine out there so hopefully he can be healthy and, and, and play the whole season but I think you can find someone uh, in a draft or in free agency that you can uh, plug in there if for whatever reason uh, Bernard Ryman can't play in the game for whatever reason. All right, well, that brings us to the end of our football discussion. Now, for my favorite part of the podcast every week. <laughs> Casey, you are on deck with your random thought of the week. What do you got? All right, so so I'm basing this all off the NFL owners meetings. We know that J.J. is in beautiful, sunny Phoenix right now. And I don't know, I haven't been outside today, Bill. Is it is it raining like it has been kind of the last seven days here in Indianapolis? Just mm-hmm overcast and blah uh, no nah, it's not quite okay. that it is sunny out but <laughs> okay. yeah, but i am wearing a, a heavy coat right i, go I mean i got a jacket I mean, yes. on and all that yeah. so essentially what my question is it's for both of you but definitely for you because it's so fresh for you right now jj if you had to pick anywhere in the in the uni- in the united states territories or inside the states for the next owners meeting they came to you and you said this is where we're going where are you picking san diego california Okay, because you know what you're going to get every single day. <laughs> yep, 
It is gorgeous. <laughs> it is perfect weather, like literally all year. Maybe they have right. rain a couple times. I don't know. Um, yeah, <laughs> San Diego. But look, you look, you you can't beat. You cannot beat Phoenix. So yesterday, we had a chance to when when we talked to uh, Mr. Ursay, we did it at uh, at the Phoenician the resort hotel yes. out yeah. here and oh my goodness is that gorgeous there yeah you have this beautiful view overlooking phoenix overlooking the valley you've got literally a mountain right outside the hotel that you can go hike up uh camelback mountain and uh it's just <clears throat> it, it like you, you sit around there and and we were talking uh you know kevin connors our videographer down there and jeffrey gorman who you guys know uh we were just talking like, wouldn't it be nice to just live out here? And then you remember, ah, yeah, except it's like 180 degrees in the summer. So it'd be nice to, it's nice to go out here in the spring. That, that's, that's what I'll say. My brother, who's from here, he moved out there a year ago, November. So he's been out a little over a year, and he has told us numerous times that it'll be really hard for him to move back. He's right outside of Phoenix. He's in Chandler, and he mm-hmm. absolutely loves it out there. So I, I can understand that for sure. Bill? Well, let me see. Since... Since JJ picked the place that I would love to live uh, on San Diego, uh, let me p- go somewhere else. I- I'm gonna stay out in California. I'm gonna go to Palm Springs. I'm gonna go to Palm Springs. Okay. Palm Springs I'm going to Palm Springs next week, Bill. Uh, well, and hopefully you enjoy yourself. It. It's it's beautiful out there. It's uh, the weather is great. You can this time of year. I think you can go up into the mountains. You can see snow at this time of year, but come back down. It's rev- roughly about 75, 80 degrees. So it's mm-hmm. beautiful there. If you like to play golf, great golf courses. And, I'm in. And yeah, I mean, it's, <laughs> it's beautiful this time of year, and the, the skies are clear, so it's uh, it's nice. But Palm Springs would be the place I would pick. You know, so clearly we have something with the West, because mine is actually you would fly into California, and then one more flight would be to Hawaii, just because I've never been to Hawaii. And, <laughs> and I mean, I don't, I've never heard anybody say it was a bad day in Hawaii. So that's where I would go if, if that was my choice. I don't. I mean, Bill, you said you've been there. I've been. It's beautiful. And, it, it's, I mean. It's beautiful. It's uh, it's uh, it w- it's San Diego South, so to speak. I okay. guess so you can look at it like that. And uh, beautiful weather, a little warmer than San Diego, but uh, it's it's beautiful. The I water, mean. the water's great. It's clear, and it's, uh, oh, it's it's nice. Right. So we, <laughs> I, I think, I think there's a there's a there's a trend here saying right. that right. we want to go somewhere where it's warm and there's water. <laughs> exactly. we're, we're just getting, we're just getting, but now we're getting further and further like west and south. So all right, let's just do the owners' meetings in Sydney, Australia next right. time. That sounds great. <laughs> exactly. There you go. Exactly. A little down under. I wouldn't complain about that. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, that is going to do it for us here on this episode of the Official Colts Podcast presented by WinBat. We are going to still be coming to you all this week on the Colts audio network our nfl combine content continues with chats and interviews from nfl insiders across the country inside the draft is back this week with nfl draft insider josh edwards from cbs the last word airs on friday night at 6 p.m on 93.5 and 107.5 the fan with casey valier and jeffrey gorman giving you the latest on the colts and then be on the lookout on your feeds i sat down with jim ursay uh, down here at the owners meetings for about a 25-minute chat, really interesting stuff that, that we talked about with the draft with Shane Steichen. Um, so take, take a the listen to that. Keep your eyes out for that on your podcast feeds, on your platform of choice. And then on Colts.com, going to have plenty still coming to you from Arizona before I take off tomorrow morning. Um, I had a really interesting chat with Ron Rivera about something I'm going to write about with Shane Steichen. So huh. uh, keep an eye out for that 
on your podcast feeds or your, your uh, podcast feeds, I should say, on the website. <laughs> I need some sleep is what I really need. Clearly. I know you've been busy, man. I, the owner's meeting, it sounds like fun, but it's a long days. I'm sure you're a little tired. Those, those, are, those are long days, but they are fun, long days. All right. Well, anyways, for Bill Brooks and Casey Vallier, I'm JJ Stankovitz. Thank you so much for listening. Mete and Lara will be back next week. I will be in Palm Springs enjoying some nice weather there as well. Anyways, we'll talk to you next week here on the Colts Audio Network.